do, and thank you, worship team, for leading us in those worship songs, and uh, <clears throat> my voice is cracking a little bit. I was tearing up on that last song. It's such a, a beautiful song to, to, to think about and to meditate on. Only our God can do what he does. You know, Muhammad can't do it. Buddha can't do it. The Hindu gods can't do it. Only the God of the Bible, and uh, it's awesome to know him. It really, really is. This morning, before we uh, jump into the message, if you've not received the notes, uh, you can just go ahead and raise your hand, and the uh, ushers are, are back there, and they'll just get get them to you. And uh, and also, the ushers also have a little uh, card for prayer requests, okay? And I would love for everyone to be able to get one of those as well. Uh, our Wednesday night service is dedicated to prayer. That's, that's just what we do. We have three different uh, times of prayer, and uh, we actually put all the prayer requests in a little booklet, and we go through each prayer request praying for them. Uh, we have our missionaries in the booklet that we support, so we pray for our missionaries, and then uh, we pray for the needs of our church. And, uh, and so the little prayer request sheet, you can ask just the, the ushers, it's just a small one, it's like a three by five card or, or about that size, and it just allows us to, to uh, be praying for just the different needs that, uh, that I know we're facing as a church and individually. Uh, I know some of you are... are um, are facing different things. Some some are uh, physical needs. You're having surgery or, or uh, coming out of surgery. Some are uh, just having uh, or wanting some prayer for your home or for your job. Some of you are making some pretty big decisions, and you're just saying, "God, give me some wisdom." And uh, if you allow us as a church to pray for you through those decisions, we'd love to do that. And that's what our Wednesday night service is all about. So. Um, if you do that, just go ahead and fill out the prayer request uh, card, and then you can uh, put it in the offering plate on your way out. And we add those on Monday, and by Wednesday, it's in the booklet, and we're praying for them. So if you would do that, and of course, the notes, so that you can follow along, and whatever uh, God speaks to you about, we will. Uh, you can write it down and, and put it in there. And, you know, I, I, I don't have the power to, to talk about every need especially in about 30, 40 minutes. Uh, not that the message is going to be 30, 40 minutes. I'm, I'm trying to cut down. I was, I was talking to Coach Hanson um, uh, about a week ago or two weeks ago. And I said, Coach, pray for me. I need to cut down. I know sometimes I go a little bit long. But, you know, as someone said, hey, 15 minutes of boring is still boring. So I'm going to try not to be uh, boring this morning. And uh, if, if I can get it in 15 minutes, I will. If I, if I get it a little bit longer, I get it a little bit longer. But... Uh, the most important thing is that we are edified and that Christ is glorified in the time of worship through preaching, okay? And so that is our aim. That's my aim this morning. And we're going to continue our series in the book of Galatians. And uh, I know it's been quite a hiatus between the last message of Galatians, but we said the book of Galatians was written to churches in Galatia about freedom, all right? And uh, they were trying to, they were false teachers accusing Paul uh, of his apostleship. Uh, they were accusing him of not really doing God's work and hit the ministry that God had called him to. They were uh, falsely teaching about the message of the gospel, and uh, they were trying to deny what Paul was sharing uh, of the gospel. And so he writes to the churches of Galatia to clarify all of that. And in clarifying all of that, he speaks about the freedom that we have in serving God, the freedom that we experience in knowing 
God and uh, the experience that we have in our fellowship with one another as the family of God. And so this, this, this letter really deals with those three main issues. And we've gone through chapter one, verse by verse, and we're, we're starting in chapter two. Well, at least we did chapter two, one through 10. And I said that in chapter one, where Paul was really defending his, his calling as an apostle in chapter two, he's really defending the message of the gospel. And we learn in the first 10 verses that he went to Jerusalem and talked with the church leaders and shared with them, this is the message that God has given me. It's not a message that came from another church or from another leader, apostle. It came from God himself. And so Paul shares that message. And when they heard the message of the gospel, the message that Paul was preaching, the Bible says, or uh, the chapter says that they gave him the right hand of fellowship. In other words, they said, Paul, you're right on. Keep preaching that message that is the right message. We're behind you 110%. They said, just remember to be serving the poor. And by the way, Paul was there in Jerusalem at that time serving the poor. So Paul said, you got it. That's what I'm doing here. And, uh, and it was just a wonderful uh, proof that the message that he was preaching was the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. The message that we also need to be sharing the, the, the same message that we need to be believing and putting our faith in. When you get to verse number 11, though, he, he gives a, a story of something that happens to further defend the message. Sometimes the message gets lost because of misunderstanding. And in, in verse 1 through 10, he's going to clear, he went to Jerusalem to kind of clarify a misunderstanding. But sometimes the message gets lost because of confusion. And when you get into verse number 11 of Galatians 2, that's what Paul wants to clear up now, a confusion that happened. Something that he needs to really correct because Peter was really confusing the message of the gospel and it was going to be affecting not just Peter, but it was going to affect others that were around him, including uh, the church there in Galatia. And so we're going to jump into what it is that God would have us learn from that and how we can apply it in a practical way in our life. And I've titled the message, Walking the Talk. You see, our walk gives the message of freedom or of bondage, right? Our walk, our talk. I, in, in the Bible college where I, where I went, um, uh, the, the president of our college used to say, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. That's a mouthful. I'll say it again. Your walk talks and your talk talks. But he said your walk, in other words, your testimony, the way you live, talks louder than the words that you share. Now, here the apostle Paul is having to correct that and help Peter with that. Now, Peter was an apostle. Peter walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He was under Jesus' teaching. He was saved under the ministry of Jesus himself. And yet... He fell, like many uh, of us can sometimes, into the trap of confusing the message, of making the message of the gospel a little murky, and by doing that, bringing himself under bondage and bringing others under bondage. And so that's why it's so important to understand uh, that in the midst of confusion, we got to make sure that the gospel message is clearly given. You see, the way we live says something about what we believe. So it is important that our message and our life tell the same story. In other words, what we say the gospel is ought to be also what we live 
in our life. The gospel is not supposed to be one thing in our life, something else. Our life should reflect the message that we share with others. Our life should reflect the gospel, right? Now, we said that the gospel, and we've learned the gospel is the message of Jesus dying for our sins, right? And giving us life eternal through faith in him, through faith in what he did on the cross. You see, the world knows that Jesus was crucified, Right? There are many people, historians, that would say, oh, yes, uh, you, you, you know that. But there are many, uh, countless multitudes that don't believe that what he did on that cross was for the sin of the world. That's where faith comes in. To believe that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't him dying for a law that he broke, but to die for the laws that we broke. And to make us right with God. Now, you can get really confused on that if you get off of that message. And it's really easy. By the way, religion gets us off of that message, as we'll see this morning. Uh, Peter allowed religion to take over the message of his life. And so you, you got to be really careful. Our life and our message ought to be the same thing. It ought to be one. Uh, it, it can't be... I heard a story of this uh, really pompous and arrogant deacon and he was, you know, teaching the little kids in, in, in the uh, Sunday school class. And he wanted to talk to them about the importance of living the Christian life and, and of, 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 you know, being that. And, and he says, all right, kids, now, do you know why people call me a Christian? And a little, little boy in the class raised his hand. And he says, is it because they don't know you? <laughs> now, sometimes if we're not careful, we confuse the message of the gospel. And that's what happens. You don't know what we're saying. You're living one thing, doing another thing, and it's just causing confusion. And there ought to be clarity in our message. So Paul, in these verses, starting verse number 11, let's read that as he continues to clarify and, and notice. That's the perspective. That's what I want you to have in mind as you read this. This is, this is Paul trying to clarify the message of the gospel because it got confused in the life of Peter. But when Peter was come to Antioch, let me explain real quick. Antioch was not in Jerusalem. It was not a Jewish city. This was what we would call a Gentile city. Any city that's not Israeli is Gentile, okay, in the Bible. So Antioch was north of Jerusalem. Uh, it, was, it was a Gentile city. It's where the, uh, another church was established. And most of the members of that church were, were people that were not Jewish, all right? They were what, what the Bible would call Gentiles. So Peter's going to where the Gentiles are in Antioch. And Paul was there. And he said, and I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. He withstood Peter to the face. He said, for before that, certain came from James he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. The circumcision are other Jewish people. He said, and the other Jews disassembled likewise with him. In other words, other Jews did what Peter was doing. Insomuch that Barnabas, Paul's assistant, also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? 
We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So what do we do when someone's practical life is saying something different than the message that they should be giving? What do we do when someone like Peter happens or what do we do when we become Peter and the fact that we start living something that really doesn't reflect the the truth of the gospel? This morning, I want you to notice what what Paul did in this passage and some truths that will help us in in dealing uh, with either others or ourselves when that happens. I want you to notice, first of all, that Paul gives a loving correction to Peter, a loving correction. See, the first action to take when there is a hypocritical practice taking place is to correct it. Uh, There's harm to the cause and kingdom of Christ when it's not addressed. That's why Paul had to address this with with Peter, right? By the way, uh, that word in in verse uh, uh, 14, I believe, at the end, or verse 13 at the end, the last word, dissimulation, it's, it's play acting, literally is how you would translate that but the greek word is hypocrisy where we get the word hypocrisy right so so peter's being a hypocrite okay and so here paul is having to correct that but he does it in a loving way he didn't go behind uh peter's back to to go and tell everybody else you see what peter's doing can you believe what peter's doing no he went to peter now i don't know uh, if the, the, the book of Matthew really wasn't finished at this time, I don't think that Paul went to Matthew 18 and, and knew that reference, but he knew that principle. And he practiced it in his life. And he understood um, the, the, the answer to this uh, issue isn't to go and, and spread gossip about Peter to everybody else. It's to confront Peter. And any loving correction will confront the person. Confrontation is a fact of life. We all will deal with it in our lives. But we ought to do it in a loving way. You know, there's a wrong way to confront people and a right way to confront people. The wrong way to confront people has a wrong heart behind it, a wrong motive behind it, and a wrong tone behind it. But a right way of confrontation has a right heart behind it. It has a right motive of why you're trying to help that person. And and it always has to it going to that person. One-on-one. Now, notice, if you will, in this loving correction, that the first thing he's correcting is Peter's behavior. Now, he explains the whole situation. Uh, If you look in, in verse number 12, he says, Before that certain came, right? Certain is people, all right? These certain people that came from Jerusalem. Paul said, I, I, I saw that these messengers came there. They're, they're from James. James was in Jerusalem. That's where the Jewish church was at. And, and these people came. Now, before they came, he said, Peter's behavior was this. He was going and eating with the people of the church at Antioch. Now, the majority of the church, as I said, was Gentile. Now, because they're Gentile, that means their customs are different. All right? Their lifestyle is different. Okay? They ate certain things. 
Now, the Jewish customs and the Jewish lifestyle was very different. There are some things uh, that in the Jewish customs, those that were religious would withhold themselves from eating, like shellfish and things like that. They're like, nope, you, you can't eat it because the Old Testament in the law, it says we can't eat those. Those things are unclean. We can't eat them. So here is Paul, and he's doing that. Why is Paul doing that? If he knows what uh, the Old Testament says, why is, why is Paul doing that? Well, I put this in your note. In Acts chapter 10, there was an incident that happened in, in Peter's life. Uh, God revealed something to Peter that he had not known before, and it was this. He saw this vision, and in this vision, there was like a sheet falling from the sky. And on this sheet, there was all kinds of animals, unclean animals. And, and Peter understood that that, that meant... Uh, there, there were some animals that were hooved and things that he was not supposed to eat. It was against the dietary laws of the Jewish culture. So God says to Peter, he shows him the vision. He says, Peter, go ahead and eat. And Peter says, I can't eat that, Lord. That is unclean. And I've never eaten, eaten anything that is unclean like that. And then God showed him a second time. He said, eat I can't eat that. That's unclean. He showed him a third time. I can't eat that. It's unclean. But by the third time, Peter understood and God said to him in this. Look at this in in verse uh, number 13 to 15. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again a second time, what God hath cleansed, thou that call not thou common. In other words, I've made it clean. It's okay to eat. And with that, Peter also understood the Gentiles then can be part of the church. They don't have to become Jewish in their culture, Jewish in their lifestyle to be followers of Jesus. You don't. Now, the temptation of many Jewish people that had come to Christ was to continue that culture and and make the Gentiles that. And we're going to talk about why in a second. But just understand, Peter's behavior then He understood, now I can eat with Gentiles. I can eat their food. I can have fellowship with them. So there he is having fellowship with them and, uh, you know, enjoying time with them. And and, and, and uh, Peter's behavior there was was fine and pleasing to God. Fellowshipping the way he was with the Gentiles wasn't going against the Old Testament and God and the way God wanted him to live. In fact, God had said, actually, no, I have cleansed them. It's fine. So that's Peter doing that. He was in God's perfect will as he was in fellowship with these Gentiles, Christians. (laughs) And I want to point something out. When when we're living our lives, okay, our focus ought not to be always on what's everyone else thinking. It ought to be on what does God think about this? Because if everyone else thinks it's okay, but God says it's wrong, it's wrong. The majority is not always right. And when it comes to our biblical Christianity, the Bible is always right and we are not. Now, the opposite is also true. If everybody says it's wrong and and, and the Bible says it's right, it's right. Yeah, yeah, but but this person's religious and he's a, a religious authority over here. Does it go against what God said? Then it doesn't matter what position and title they have. That's what God was teaching Peter. Peter, I know that's what people are saying, but that is wrong. I have cleansed them. 
the Gentiles and their lifestyle is okay because I've redeemed them. Now, first he goes out to correct Peter's behavior because that was Peter's behavior. Then look at Peter's change in behavior. He said, then these certain came. And when they came, these Jews from James there, from, from the Jerusalem church, he said, then he separated. He withdrew and separated himself. Why? Why did he get away from the Gentiles and having fellowship and eating with them and, and enjoying the fellowship? He got away because I don't know what those people are going to think. These people in Jerusalem, they know that I'm Jewish and, and they're going to accuse me of being unholy and unclean because I'm eating animals that are unclean. So because of that fear of them, he separated. And suddenly, uh, you know, there's, there's Peter and, and he's talking to, you know, Titus. And uh, Titus is like, hey, Peter, we're going we're gonna to go and uh, eat again. I mean, I know we went last week. You, you ready to go? And Peter goes, I, I can't. I can't. So, well, okay. Maybe he has something. They have it over and over and over. Suddenly, they're getting this idea. Oh, oh now, now Peter, he can't associate with us anymore. He can't fellowship. And it's not because it was what God told him to do. In fact, it was only because he was scared about what people were going to say. People from Jerusalem. Now, the reason that Peter was thinking that was because the, the law of the Old Testament said that was unclean, right? But Jesus had fulfilled the law and done away with the law. And so now what was unclean is now clean because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's the gospel message, right? Um, so I say that because Acts 5.29, we see Peter at one point of his life saying this. Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Acts 5.29 says that. But yet, and by the way, Peter's not perfect and this can happen to any one of us. But there was a time where the fear of what others were going to say and do got a, a hold in Peter's life and suddenly he was worried. It wasn't so much about what God told him to do and what the Bible says to do. It was, well, what do these people say I should do? What are they going to say about what I am doing? So no longer is God leading Peter in his life. No longer is the message and the truth of the gospel leading him. But now it's the fear of men that's leading him. Now, before we judge Peter too harshly, we got to be honest with ourselves. We, we all have a tendency to want to please others. Okay? I have that tendency. More than likely, you do too. Right? Now, there's one thing, and it's one thing, and it's distinct, to be accommodating to someone. Right? We're, we don't go out of our way to make someone uncomfortable or to you know, uh, be mean to someone or confrontational. We, we, we don't do that. But it's another thing to do something simply because I'm scared of how they're going to react. I'm scared of what they're going to say. I'm scared of the consequences of that. I don't want to be unpopular. I don't want to, I don't want to be short or fall short of their expectations. Now, can I say that that idea, the tendency is human, 
right? As humans, we just have a tendency of being people pleasers. But the idea that following certain things, and this is what was happening, that Peter was saying, okay, these people, I'm scared of what they're going to say. Those people were saying, no, you have to do this to please God, even though God had not said that, even though God had not given that revelation, even though no longer was the law something that they should be following in that manner. And and yet they're saying it that way. So now they're starting to confuse the message. They're confusing the message of the gospel. And the problem is, is that that's what religion does. Religion looks at a set of rules and says, you've got to follow this so God will be happy with you, so you can find favor with God. A relationship with Christ looks at pleasing God. God is the object of it, not rules. Not the law. See, what, what, what happened is, Peter's confusing the message of the gospel by saying, oh, Christ is not enough. Yes, you believe in Christ, but you also have to follow these things if you're going to have favor with God. So, there's a loving correction that Paul wants to give to Peter. And by the way, he did it to his face, but he also did it before all because Peter was doing this in front of everyone. Peter was doing this not to just certain Gentiles, to all the Gentiles, in so much that he caused even Barnabas, another fellow Jew, an assistant of Paul to do the same thing. They were causing division in the church. And by the way, Romans chapter 15 goes into detail about division and why division is a problem. And this message isn't going to be hitting on that topic specifically. But I'm just simply saying there was, there was a division that Peter was creating. By not living the gospel message in his life, by, by being off on that. So, Paul lovingly corrects Peter on that. Then I want you to notice an obvious connection that he makes at the end here. Uh, so, in verse number 13, or number, number 14, Paul says, okay, I, they were not walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. And, and actually in the Greek, it, that literally means they weren't going on the straight path. <laughs> they were getting off the path. So as they were getting off the path, he said, I, I had to do something. So I said to Peter before them all, in front of everybody, I had to let Peter know, Peter, what you're doing to this church in dividing it that way is wrong. The message that your life is giving right now, Peter, is hypocritical. And you're making others to fall into a hypocritical life as well. You're not living the genuine truth of the gospel. In fact, you're going the opposite direction. And you're making others become hypocrites as well. Uh, see, there's a connection here, Paul, and what you're, I mean, Peter, and what you're doing. You're saying, oh, yes. Jesus is the, is the one that gives salvation. Jesus is the one that changes someone's life. Jesus is the one uh, that fulfilled the law so that we can be forgiven of that law and to do away with the law. That's the message. But now you're going back to the law. So Peter, something's not adding up here. First, you're saying you were shown that nothing is unclean anymore because God made all things clean. But now you're coming back in your life and saying, well, well there's still some things I've got to separate from that's unclean. Like, wait. And Paul's saying, but that's not the separation that he's talking about. You're separating on the wrong basis. 
you're separating on the basis of religion and the fear of men. Not on scripture and the truth of it. Not on the gospel. So there's an obvious connection here that Paul wanted to connect Peter. And he's sharing this with the church of Galatia because he says, I I want you all to see this. I don't want to be the only one to see this. He said, I need you all to see that what Peter, you see why Peter was wrong in what he was doing? Because he was giving it two different messages. The, The gospel message was that we were saved from the curse of the law. But Peter, you're living after the law. So the law brings a curse. We need Jesus to be forgiven of that curse, but now you're going back to the curse. See how confusing that is? It's like, which one is it then, Peter? Two different messages. Your walk is talking and your talk is talking, but your walk is talking a lot louder. So there's a loving correction. There's an obvious connection. And here's the connection that he says. He said, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live after the Jews? Real quick in your notes. We couldn't keep the law, he says to Peter. Peter, we couldn't keep the law. So why are you making others do what you cannot do? By the way, when you think of a hypocrite, isn't that what you think of? The, the person that tells you to do something that they themselves are not doing? Right? Isn't that what we call a hypocrite? So Paul is saying, Peter, you're playing the hypocrite here. And people are seeing it. And people are following that hypocrisy. And there's got to be a stop to that religiosity that you have, Peter, because you're creating religiousness and not a relationship with Christ. You're not following the message of the gospel. You're following the message of those that are denying the gospel. Simply put, Peter, if you think about it, we couldn't keep the law ourselves. The law he's talking about is the Old Testament. Since the giving of the, old, of the, of the, of the law in the Old Testament, if, you're, if you remember from Sunday school, Moses went up Mount Sinai and God gave him the Ten Commandments and in total, there was a little bit over 600 commandments. And, and he comes down from the mountain. And from that moment on, you know what? The people made a covenant and they said, hey, whatever God says to do, we're going to do. Right? Moses gets halfway down the mountain and they're already disobeying and breaking laws. Moses goes a second time, gets a second tablet after he destroyed that first tablet. And guess what? The people say, we're going to do whatever God says. Guess what? They broke the law. And from that generation to the next generation to the next generation, every generation was breaking the law. (laughs) So Paul's telling Peter, Peter, you're born in a Jewish home, right? Yeah, me me too, me too. Uh, Since when have you known the law? Did your parents, they probably, oh yeah, my parents knew the law. Oh yeah, good, good, so did mine. All right, how often do we keep it? Oh, well, we, we couldn't keep it. Exactly. You couldn't keep the law, but now you're telling other people to keep the law. You couldn't go a week without lying, but telling other everybody else, well, well, I'm not telling them about that, about lying. Well, it, it, it's all connected. In fact, Jesus said, if you're guilty, or, or James, the brother of Jesus said, if you're guilty about breaking one law, you're really guilty of all. In other words, you're a law breaker. Well, I didn't break that law, but did you break this law? 
I, I, didn't, I didn't break the, 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 the diet. I, hey, Peter's like, I, I, I ate the diets. I, I never eat any unclean animal. And then Paul's like, yeah, but did you ever lie? Well, yeah. Well, then you're guilty of all of it anyway. You're a lawbreaker. The message of the gospel is the fact that we could not keep the law. The law made us guilty and condemned before God, and we need somebody to justify us, someone to make us right. And Peter, what you're telling people is that Jesus, what he did on the cross, was not enough. What you're telling people is, yes, Jesus is good. Just had him do your religion. Just keep doing these things here, and you'll be fine. By the way, most false religions do that whether it's the Catholic Church or whether it's the Jehovah's Witness or the Mormon Church. They don't deny Jesus. They just deny the person of Jesus. Paul says to Peter, we couldn't keep the law. I leave these in your notes because time's getting away. Romans chapter 2. He says, therefore, you're inexcusable, man, you that judges, because when you judge someone else, you condemn thyself because it's called being hypocritical. Romans chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Paul said, are we better as Jews than those Gentiles? No, we're not. For we have proved both Jews and Gentiles that we're all under sin. You know, you know what the difference is, Peter? Is that at least somebody told you that lying was wrong. Nobody told them. Now we're telling them. You grew up in a home at least where someone told you this doesn't please God. They never had that. But guess what? Whether you grew up in a home where you know what pleases God and doesn't, or whether you grew up in a home where you never even had a Bible, both of y'all broke the law. Both need to be justified or made right with God. You see, religious living will always do that. It'll make us feel better than we are. It'll always make us feel better than those around us, and that's what Peter was doing. Gentiles, yeah, yeah, you're Christians, and yeah, you've been saved, but you're not as good of a Christian as I am. I mean, let me just ask you, Gentiles, how many laws have you kept? Because, I mean, since I was young, I kept a lot of laws. You fast forward into today's day and age, and there's many like that still. You're a Christian? Oh, yeah, yeah, but, but, I mean, are you as holy as me? Are you as good as me? Let me ask you because, hey, I read my Bible an hour and a half a day. How, how long do you read it? Ten minutes? Okay. Sure. You see the same religious ideas behind that? I'm better than you. God loves me more than you because look, look at me. You know what Paul would tell you? Your walk is not the talk. That's not the message of the gospel. Message of the gospel is not add Jesus a little bit to your life, just but follow these rules. No. We won't get to get to the end of the chapter this Sunday, but when you get to the end of the chapter, you'll see that life is all about Christ and his work. That's the Christian life. But we'll talk about that later. I want you to notice here, though, as Paul is just letting Peter know, first, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't keep the law ourselves. Secondly, the law didn't change us, Okay? In other words, by keeping the law, you still were not right with God. The law has the power to condemn somebody, but not to justify somebody. So if I can use an analogy uh, this morning, like if you get a speeding ticket, you can't use the speed limit to get off your ticket, right? 
Like, if you're going 75 in a 55, you can't go to the judge and say, hey, judge, I, look, you, you, you shouldn't find me. Why not? The speed limit was 55. I'm going to 75. You can't find me. When the judge finishes scratching his head as to the nonsense that you're speaking, he's going to say, no, 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 the fact that the speed limit was 55 condemns you because you went over that. No, 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 but you don't understand, judge. The speed limit sign said 55. Yeah. The law has no power to justify what you were doing. The law is condemning what you were doing. Paul is reminding Peter, you know what the message of the gospel is? The message of the gospel is that you can't get right with God on your own. No matter how good you are, no matter how great things you feel like you've done in life, it doesn't make you right with God. And Peter, the message that you're giving to the Gentile church by separating, oh, no, no, now you're unclean. Now I can't get around you, is saying that very truth. Jesus is okay, but you need the law. For what? The law could not justify you. The law condemned us. That's all it could ever do. So before you start making Gentiles do something that you yourself couldn't do, living like a hypocrite, just remember also the law also cannot justify them. It didn't justify you. It's not justifying them. It didn't make you right with God. It ain't going to make them right with God. So let me give you the last point. We're out of here. A direct conclusion that Paul gives now in verse 15 and 16. He says, We who are Jews by nature then, and not sinners of the Gentiles, and by the way, that phrase just simply means because Jews by nature, because we were born Jewish, then we had the, the law of God. We had the word of God, right? And Gentiles did not. So they were, they were called by the Jewish community sinners because, hey, they don't have the law of God. We do. So we're, we are righteous. And, and that, that's why Paul says this in verse number 16. Knowing that a man is not made right with God, justified is, that what, it, is what it means, not guilty. Uh, it means being right. It says, knowing that a man is not made right or justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by faith, by the faith of Christ. In other words, we couldn't keep the law. The law couldn't justify us. And you know what, Peter? You and me, we had to put our faith in Jesus for our salvation, just like the Gentiles. So let me ask you, Peter, are you realizing then that what you're doing by separating because you're scared of these men to be religious is harming the message of the gospel. And let me tell you something. Whenever as Christians and as a Christian myself, whenever I begin to live a hypocritical life, I'm damaging the message of the gospel. And by the way, see the damage that has been done over the years. You could Google Pastors that have fallen in ministry. You can read story after story after story. And the damage that it does to the name of Christ. I know pastors are not perfect. We're not called to be perfect. We're not called to say, oh, we never make a mistake. No, no, no. But the damage of hypocrisy can lead others to remain in darkness. To not know the truth, to reject the truth. You probably see it on many posts. Why would I believe Christ? Look at that pastor. Christianity is not better than the Hindus. Look at those Christians. 
So there's a direct conclusion that Paul gives. Number one, we're all justified the same way. Whether we were born with the law or not, we all broke the law. We all need to get right. And the only way that we can get right is by faith in Jesus Christ. That's how I got right as a Jew growing up with the law. That's how the Gentiles in Antioch got right with God who didn't even have a law. Both of us had to have faith in Jesus Christ to be made right with God. And here's the other conclusion. Justification is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's important, by the way. He said, not by the works of the law can anyone be made right with God. So it doesn't matter how many laws you keep, you're still not right with God. If you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, you can, you can fulfill half the law, 99% of the law, and still not be right with God. Because the 1% where you failed makes you guilty like everyone else and in need of being made right. So you can't add Jesus to your works and to the law. In fact, it's a dichotomy. It's, it's, it's complete opposites. Either you're made justified by Jesus and faith in him, or you're made justified by what you do and by keeping the law. And Paul said, there's only one way to be justified, and it ain't keeping the law. It's in Christ and him alone. That's why I can't, in good conscience, tell someone that says, uh, yeah, I, I'm a Buddhist, but, uh, you know, I heard about Jesus, and, and I believe, uh, you know, that Jesus, that, that what he did on the cross is great, you know, but I, you know, I just don't want to leave my Buddhist temple. Just want to, you know, I mean, Jesus is there. He's, 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 I mean, I accepted him. But, you know, but, but the Buddhist temple has done so much for me. I'd have to say, did the Buddhist temple make you right with God? No. Then turn to Jesus. It has to be all Jesus. It can't be half of Jesus. It's a 100 or nothing proposition. Paul tells Peter, Peter, this is the conclusion that we must come to that we all come to and this morning that's the great truth that we must remember here in these verses our walk and our talk are important to the message that we share with others when we're not aligned it brings about confusion and hypocrisy so what happens what do we do when that happens we correct it so that our walk and our talk are in harmony right so we're on the straight and narrow so we're on the right path then, after correcting it, we must connect the life of the gospel into our life, right? We don't try to accommodate, see where the gospel fits in my life. No, 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 my, my life is the gospel. What the gospel teaches me to do, rely on Christ and follow Christ, that's what I do. Connect the message of the gospel into our life where our identity is found. And then... We are to remember that we are all justified by faith in Christ alone. In other words, as we say so many times, the ground is level at the cross. I don't know what your past is. I don't know what church you've come from. I don't know what religion you were brought up in. But no matter what it is, if you're wondering, how can I get right with God? By faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's how. Simply faith in Christ alone. So, 
This morning's challenge is simple. If you've not been made right with God or justified by faith in Christ, that's what your first step needs to be this morning. It's saying, Pastor, I have not put my faith in Christ. I know about Jesus, and I, I think I've made him kind of part of my life, but, but I have not really turned to him all the way. Well, then that's what you need to do. And secondly, if your walk is not right, maybe you are in Christ, but maybe like Peter, you've fallen away, and the message that you've given is one of religiousness, but not one of a relationship with Christ and the gospel. Maybe, maybe this morning's message is just a loving correction for you to just kind of examine and say, you know what, my, my life's not been reflecting that. I've been glorying in how good of a person I am instead of glorying in the cross. I've been looking about how many laws I've kept, but really not of the person who kept them for me and saved me from the judgment of that law. Maybe I just need to align myself back with the gospel here, away from religiousness and more to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe if that's what you need to do, then that's the decision you need to make this morning. So I'm going to stop thinking about what, what's this person going to say, what that person going to say, and start thinking, what does the Bible say, and what does God think about that? And let that rule your life to maintain you on the right path. Because after all, we're not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and your truth. And Father, it is so true that we, like Peter, can often find ourselves in a hypocritical kind of life where we're saying one thing about the message of the gospel, but we're not living that message. Where our Christianity has turned into something of religion. Really, a man-fearing religion. Not pause to think and be led by the Spirit of our God and by the truth of His Word. We've We've allowed traditions or we've allowed opinions of man to dictate our life. Father, I pray that you'd forgive us for that hypocrisy. Forgive us for not having a walk that aligns with your truth. Thank you for the promise of your word that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what an unrighteous life to live a life that's hypocritical. I pray that that's our life, that you forgive us and cleanse us. But Father, I'm also going to ask if there's someone here that's not put their faith in Christ alone. This morning they would do that. As the piano plays, perhaps there's someone here and saying, Pastor, to be honest, there's, I've, I've really never accepted Christ as my personal Savior to be the only one I'm trusting in. I've trusted in Christ and the church and Christ and a little bit of what I do, but I thought my religion was going to get me somewhere, but I, I realized this morning that religion cannot take me anywhere. It's Christ and Christ alone. And I need to put my faith in Jesus alone. Is there anyone like that that says, pray for me, Pastor. I want to accept Christ as my Savior. 
Perhaps this morning you're saying, Pastor, as we've studied this passage, the Holy Spirit has just shown me in some areas where I've not been walking the message of the gospel. I've not been living that truth. Say, Pastor, would you just pray for me and and ask God to help me to, to make sure that my walk and my talk are aligned correctly. Pray for me. Is there anyone like that who just raise their hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else say, pray for me. God bless you. I say, God bless you. God bless you. Father, this morning, we all so easily fall into that lifestyle. We all so easily can forget who it is that gave himself for us, who it was that gave us freedom from the law, a law that we couldn't keep anyway, rules that were too high for us to reach. Oh, Father, I pray that as we, as we continue in our Christian life, that we wouldn't allow religion to creep in, even knowing the truth of your word. We can become very religious. Help us not to do that. Help us to be biblical. Help us to live a life that would honor you by by exalting the work of our Savior. By living a life of faith and the truth of the gospel. I pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask if you would, let's go ahead and stand and sing. Our last song this morning, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here in your house. Thank you for your word and your truth. Thank you for the sacrifice of Christ on the cross that gave us salvation, that gave us a new name and a new destination, that made us part of a new family and gave us a new purpose. Thank you for giving us new life in Christ, making us a new creation. Thank you, Father, for the love and the grace, your mercy. Thank you for the life of Christ and the death of Christ that provided a way that we might be made right with you, that gave us the justification that we needed. Father, I pray as we go home that you would help us to live in a life that reflects that message and that truth. May we live it out throughout this week. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are dismissed.